Welcome to Boxy Girl Radio. This is Hannah Sarimian, founder of Boxy Girl. On today's Boxy Girl Radio podcast, I talk with Dominique James, a California girl through and through. She is a mother of three to Major, Arrow, and Shepherd, wife, and a brilliant artist and writer. I was introduced to Dominique through her husband, artist and photographer Chance James. I have several of Chance's original art pieces in my home and feel honored to share space with them every day. I recently purchased my first Dominique James painting for my home. I am absolutely in love with her art. Fun fact, Dom was on the OG Boxy team and literally helped me build the Boxy social media and copy content from the ground up. When I met Dom, she was expecting her first child major. I was immediately drawn to her. I felt an ease and authenticity that was very refreshing. Her beauty emanates from within. She is a woman that challenges the norm with grace and grit. Considering data from the Pew Research Center, working mothers, 60% of whom are somewhat more likely than fathers, 52%, to say balancing work and family is difficult. While a majority of parents from dual full-time working households say certain household responsibilities are shared equally, about half, 54%, say the mother does more when it comes to managing children's schedules and activities. In today's podcast, Dom and I embark on some of these real-life statistics, discussing and contemplating what it means to be a woman, what we feel when we make choices about our children and work, being true to ourselves, our craft, our dreams, and striving to live a full and rich life. You can learn more about Dom and follow her journey on Instagram at Dom James Creative. To find out more about Dom's art, visit her website, DominiqueRoseJames.com. Enjoy today's podcast on Boxy Girl Radio. People would often ask me, what do you do? And every time someone would ask me, I get like a icky feeling in my stomach and so I came up with a couple like clever answers because I think housewife is is kind of demeaning you know like that's even on forms and stuff like you know are you a housewife right like if we think about how we use language we need to be more thoughtful about how we define ourselves so we have to address the language too so I would say things like I'm a domestic executive so when we define our worth with what you were talking about. How we define that has to be better. You know, we have to be better at as women. Because I think it's convenient for us to like blame, like we bad men have put marginalized us. But we are all complicit. We all participate in the system and we all have um, a responsibility. So instead of blaming or having this, you know, ugly pointing fingers, let's just start having conversations that are honest about our definitions, our use of language, and ask questions like why. That does it work anymore? Okay, if it doesn't work, maybe we don't have the answers yet, but let's have the conversations and let's figure out 
how we can make it work better. So we have healthier women, we have a healthier society. Do you think about that when you use the language to describe your experience? Do you, are you aware of some of the, the terms and do you, are you asking yourself those questions or do you hear other women asking those questions? I mean, short answer, yes. I think it's just because it's easy. Um, it's easy to categorize people. I mean, that's the truth of it. Unfortunately, it's easy to say, well, they do this and, and they don't do this and very easy to judge. And so um, I've had to kind of walk exactly what you're talking about, um, thinking about, well, why do people you know, ask those things, what you do, or, you know, um, and I think it's just a basic, some of it is just those so social cues, right? Like, hi, how are you type of thing? Oh, I met you at a party, I don't know you, what do you do? You know, and I don't think that's a bad question. I think it's a good conversation starter. I think conversations are important, though, to continue conversations. So, um, instead of just assuming that I chose not to work, you know, because I'm home or assuming that I chose to go to work and not be home with the kids, you know, ask me why. And I think that once we start having more conversations of why we do things and why we don't do things, then there births this compassion. I think understanding births compassion just how you were talking about, like, you know, um, culturally, like, even just being that, you know, being a, a woman and saying, oh, well, I have nothing to complain about. Why are you complaining? I think once we are open to hearing the stories or open to hearing, and it doesn't have to be this rags to riches or traumatic conversation, but um, we have to start being more understanding and open to talk. And um, I have a great, great family and great friends, um, but you know, there's sometimes I do wish more questions were asked, like why? Because it's easy to say, oh, well, you do this, so you are A, B, and C, right? And it, and I say that for myself too. I'm someone that likes deep conversations, so I always ask questions, um, and knowing when to ask them is important. We ask the question why to understand, but we move to finding new solutions. And I think, honestly, women are probably the greatest disruptive technology in the universe right now. Amen. <laughs> you know, when people talk about disruptive technologies like social media and ways to meet consumer. Right. You know, when you look at who the consumers are, it's generally women. They're the ones spending the money. They're the one making the decisions about what the family buys. And those women understand things that we're not tapping into. We're not giving them the opportunity to participate in the conversations. And I, you know, I can see that at where I'm at with Foxy. Clearly, I couldn't see it before. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, from a perspective of financial opportunities and access, 
from a perspective of investing in women and understanding that they have huge potential to improve um, the economic standing for everyone um, because we have different strengths than men do and we have, we're built different. I often say, you know, I love cactus and I love Philly figs. Like I love my plants. Mm -hmm. I'm a big plant person. I like literally talk to them. <laughs> I love it. It says that it helps them beautiful. Yes. Huh? And it says it helps them grow. And my fiddle does not look that good. And so I need to be talking to them. I'm, I'm, and I wipe their leaves. And you know why? Because I could, I could be like, you know what, cactus? I'm going to put you in the same room as the fiddle leaf fig. And I don't have time. You know, it's convenient. I'm going to put you in this room. And I'm going to treat you exactly like the fiddle leaf fig, okay? Now, succeed, grow, thrive. And the cactus can't. And it's not a moral issue. And it's not a blaming issue. It's that the cactus requires different things to thrive than the fiddle leaf fig. So if I want that cactus to thrive, and that's another question too, I have to make sure I give it the right conditions. Mm -hmm. And I want to be surrounded by beautiful plants that thrive. So it's my responsibility if I want to have that and be surrounded with these beautiful plants and be a steward of something that's living and beautiful, I have to understand what are the elements it needs. How much sunlight, how much water. Because I could keep that plant alive for a long time on the bare minimum. And everyone could say, well, the plant's still alive, but is it thriving? Is it reaching its potential? Have I put it in an environment to succeed? And I think women are that element. You know, it's not a moral issue. I mean, it is a moral issue, but it's not a, it's like we don't have time anymore to mm -hmm. like blame and tear each other apart. Yeah. I think we have to have those conversations with our husbands. We have to have those conversations with each other and we have to ask those questions and then in the small ways start seeing that. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, the story's not over. Our daughters will continue that and our sons, you know, and we see that as you were talking earlier about generationally you know, how things change. I totally love that. Because, too, when you think about it, it can be frustrating. I don't know how to take care of you, right? I don't know how to love you the right way. But I'm going to come back. And I'm going to keep trying. And I think that that's... Or some people just go, I'm not a plant person. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just not going to have plants, you know? And plants have been here before us. They'll be here after us. And they know what they need. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the earth and, you know, everything in nature, there's a harmony. And they're programmed. And they know exactly what they need. And they don't have these big moral dilemmas about, you know, well, you're not equal. Or, mm -hmm. well, you look different than me. Or you planted yourself in that neighborhood, not in this neighborhood. Right. 
and those plants either you know the living things either thrive or they die depending on do they get what they need do they have what they need to survive and i would offer honestly i mean i just think if we don't figure that out for women it's going to have serious serious implications because the women are generally the ones that create those catalysts for social change and it's across the issues yeah and i think the implications first of all i don't think it's not going to happen i think it is happening i don't know in our lifetime if we'll be able to fully see the thriving but i i see parts of that just even in this conversation you know mm -hmm. like i have aha moments talking to you like things i think about and you know what i mean and right dynamic discussions is where that stuff gets sparked yeah it all starts with conversation bringing yourself to ask the questions or just be there to understand the difference and that's what creates change in the small moments because they become big moments how do you navigate that stuff in your marriage oh gosh um i think okay so we've been married almost 11 years in october which is insane i got married when i was an infant basically <laughs> and like what was i doing 22 years old um but no it's really been just a huge blessing and exactly where i needed to go um because i've learned a ton about myself i mean in 20s you're like you have a lot going on mm -hmm. to experience anyways and then i'm like doing it as a newlywed it was wild um so i think you know i don't know what year mark it was that we kind of hit our stride in communication but um i'm just i'm a lot i'm a lot of feelings and emotions and thoughts and my husband well chance obviously now he's very mellow and quiet and internal and so um navigating conversation with him I've learned how to do it differently and talking about you know just being a woman and being want, wanting more for my life he's so supportive does he see those dynamics and does he understand those feelings with you I think well he's heard it from me <laughs> So I make him understand. Um, no, I think that he does. When he, having a daughter, right. I think has really opened his eyes. Yep. I, because I could say, this is me, this is my dreams, and I feel them, you know, understand them. And he can be supportive, but maybe not understand the magnitude of what I'm talking about. Where with your children, you want so much for them whatever they are, you know, and having a daughter and him realizing, because we had a boy first, we had a major first, and I think having a daughter, he just thought, you go, girl, you do anything you want to do. 
and she will. She is just, she's kind of me, but she's also so much more. Honestly, you know, I can't handle her sometimes. <laughs> it's hard to navigate, but um, seeing him become a father to a daughter, I don't think you always have to be a father to a daughter to understand it, but I think it has helped him understand. Um, Do you think it's his desire to want more for her? Because, you know, I often think too, and I know your marriage is a lot like mine in that you um, are both independently employed. Mm -hmm. So you can choose to participate. You can choose to have a longer maternity leave. You can choose to be more involved. And we've done it the same way. And so we've navigated a lot of that. And I think for women today having children, um, it's easier, it's better we kind of understand that. But in most countries and most businesses, men don't get maternity leave. Yeah. They don't get to stay home. And think about how critical that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've talked about this with my friends before. I mean, there should be a longer leave for men. I mean, if it's just even, it's if it's even just to support the mother, I mean, you need somebody there. Like, and you, it, need, it needs to be okay that he can stay home while you go out for a minute, you know, like he's the father. Like, well, why? and the physical, like, you know, that there's a biological, physiological reason that you're supposed to be together. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't just a social question. It's what's healthiest for the mother and the father and the baby. And that bonding time is so critical. Yeah. Yet we have structures for business where men just leave, you know, and and they're not supported in, you know, do you want to stay, you know, and then are we supportive of them in making that choice and not judgmental, you know, right. your job won't be here when you get back type right. of a thing, you know, that we've gotten better about doing that women but we need to be that needs to be part of the conversation is our husbands you know totally. and how they feel in that conversation yeah I totally agree chance is super involved and so um you know I don't know I think too sometimes I feel insecure that he's so involved because I'm like, okay, so he's the breadwinner, if you want to talk about it in those terms. He also helps with the children. And the weight of, well, what else do you do when he's watching the kids is something that has killed me. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'm a person, and I, <laughs> just like you, I, whatever you do when you're alone, I don't know. <laughs> well, but that's, I think then that's part of the, the conversation is, is our definitions again and currency. That currency isn't just breadwinner, it's mm -hmm. contributions, it's yeah. the offering to the system and unit. And it's, and it's understanding what that system and unit needs to thrive. So the currency isn't always the most relevant thing. You know, it's the social structure, it's the support, it's the connection, the bonds. And then that directly correlates to the health of those people and the productivity. I mean, 
we're seeing that in businesses, right? Like they have gyms, they have like, you know, uh, they have workspace that's collaborative. We're understanding making changes in the human dynamic helps with productivity, which directly correlates to, you know, a more robust economic system. But I think we still need to be talking about that family unit. The dynamic of it, It's like we almost need to go backwards, Mm Dom. You know, like, we talk a lot about, like, how profitable is a company, how this, how that. And maybe that, you know, like, those aren't always the metrics we should be using when we look at the health of a society or a system or the viability of that system. Mm -hmm. And then I think those are the contributions that women have to cultivate in the conversations with their own husbands and their own children. Yeah. You know. I think too, like I'll listen to, you know, entrepreneur podcasts or anything and um, getting inspired, but also I also kind of always ask questions. A lot of these entrepreneurs are go, 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 hustle, hustle, don't stop, don't sleep. If you have to miss your kid's soccer game, that's okay because you're building a better future. And to me, it's just the wrong message to send. I believe in working hard. I believe in sacrificing when we need to, but I don't believe at the expense of the health of those closest to you or yourself. And, um, yeah, I think just what you talked about, about currency, you know, what are we using to measure these things? Well, we're seeing a huge wave in, you know, mental health now. We're talking about it. It's important. Um, and that needs to be something that you can be, you want to be successful, but you also need to be able to take inventory of how it's going in your life, in your real life. Well, and it's the defining the values of that life, mm-hmm. you know, like, is it currency? Is it things? Is it consumption? Is it notoriety? Is it celebrity? Because that's that's what we're told all the time. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't those things, then what is it? Is it time? What are the currencies? Is it art? Is it innovation, creativity, being of service to others, taking time to reflect, self, being self-reflective, and that those are as critical because they directly impact anything we want to do. And, you know, definitions of what is success look like, you know, big. I know. So tell me, that's what that, so just right there, (laughs) define who you are. That's a big question. Um, if I would define who I am, uh, and I don't talk about it to who I am to others, as far as like being a mother or being a wife, I guess being a friend, because um, I am all those things that I'm proud of. But I am just, I would say I'm, I am someone that just cares so deeply. I feel big. I'm 
very um, analytical, but also um, something thoughtful, and I love big, and I want people to feel that from me, because I think it's, those are the good attributes, should I tell you that? <laughs> sure. We would be here all day. <laughs> Definitions are not confined to just positive. Yeah, exactly, and so um, I, I would say I am an artist, and a force to be reckoned with. So, um, yeah, but I just, I have a deep love for people, for um, God, for what he's made me to be. And I don't even know what it is to feel in my life, but mm -hmm. I want people to feel touched and um, cared for and loved. And I want my kids to know that I just really, really hold them as a deeper part of me. What is most important? For you, um, when you think about your children, that I see them. I think <sighs> I want them to feel seen for who they are, and it makes me emotional because. I didn't do anything to make them who they are. And, um, I mean, they, in a sense of like, they came out who they're supposed to be. I believe that. And I want them to so feel. So like, it's like they're either the cactus or the fiddle fit. Yeah, and I, then our role is, what do they need to yes, thrive? And yeah. I just want them to thrive. I want them to feel seen for who they are. And, um, to know that they're loved and to know that it doesn't matter what anyone says, and that's so cliche, but it really doesn't, to find that in themselves and to continue to find that. Because I think once you can keep answering that for yourself, you have more strength with each day when we talk about your worth or talk about, um, I guess, yeah, your self-worth, your ideas of worth, your ideas of the world. I want them to feel seen, to feel loved, and to be able to take that on for themselves, you know, independent in that worth. If that is that making sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly what we're talking about. It, I guess it's like I, I think about my own kids, like the conversations I have with them about I've had to be really intentional about using different language, you know, that whole currency analogy I use mm -hmm. is bred from a conversation I've been having with all of my children for years because I felt when I was home and my husband was the breadwinner um, I always felt like I had to justify like you were saying like my worth was in how good the meal cooked that I cooked was or how beautiful the home looked or what a great party I threw or, you know, how our family, everybody, you know, it ran like clockwork and, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was really, um, a struggle for me because I felt that like internal, but I'm so much more than that. And that 
it's so devalued my contribution and um, and not necessarily by even my husband, just the way I chose to participate, the way I knew how, the way I saw, the way the things I thought were justified my value. Um, and so I've had to be really intentional about having those conversations with them because no one out there is going to have those conversations. And the framework of um, the economic framework doesn't reinforce what we tell our children if we just say you can be anything you want to be. Exactly. So, you know, how do we have those conversations with them so that they're prepared? Yeah. You know? Totally. It starts with a conversation. It totally does. So true. Tell me um, your kids' names and a little bit about them. So I have three kids. Major is six, and he just completed his first year of kindergarten. So that was like, you know, when your firstborn goes to kindergarten, you know, it's very emotional, right? Like, oh, little baby. Um, Arrow is three, and she is. She's just amazing. Um, all my dreams of having a daughter are wrapped up in her. And um, Shepard is one, almost one and a half. What is he like? I've never met him. Oh, he's just a ball of joy. Like sweet, sweet. And Major is so kind. He has the kindest, kindest heart. And Shepard is a little bit of Major and Arrow mixed. Like he's a little mischievous, but really sweet and cuddly. Um, chunky. Oh, I got a little chunky, like noodle on his cheeks. All Are the you time. done? That's a loaded question. Ooh, yeah. Because wow. I, I would want to say yes. I would want to say yes, but there's something in me that says no, and I can't ignore that. Mm. And it's I that's know. a lot. <laughs> you know, because we talked about it. Like I'm like saying to you, how I can't even handle three. So. I don't know. I'm a big intuition person. I'm a big gut person. And if something just feels off, then I've got to see why. And I remember that's not saying, yes, we're going to have a fourth. And it's not saying, you know, otherwise. But if nothing could hold you back, what would you be doing right now? And I'm not suggesting that our children hold us back. Exactly. Yeah. But in the current, I mean, the truth of the way we traditionally structure things is that we're more limited in our choices because we don't balance evenly with our spouses or workplace or and so we're we're having a discussion and we're re-examining that but mm -hmm. let's just say it was all equal that discussion was all equal and it wasn't like we had to overcome any of that what would you be doing oh man that's a deep question for me because that's something i ask myself a lot like is it one thing um background on me i never had any direction as far as this is what i'm gonna do um when i was little i thought i was gonna act and that was my passion and i did plays and sing and then i went to a high school i you know went to elementary and did um drama and then I was a weird drama kid, 
and um, um, uh, junior high, same thing. I loved it. And then I had to transfer to a high school where I knew one friend. <laughs> I didn't want to be that weird drama kid anymore. And so um, that's all I kind of knew that I thought I might be good at or wanted to do because I knew I had all these feelings and I was a very like daydreamer creative in my head. Um, and so I thought that I was gonna do that or do Broadway or do something fun. Um, but then I got out of high school and I really thought, well, I was just, didn't have great direction, didn't, wasn't super secure and just jumping into that, not really doing much with it in high school. And so I just had never really had, oh, I'm going to do this. So I went to college, I majored in communications, stopped a year early because I hated it, got married. I always joke like, I know everyone wants to be like me and get married at the ripe old age of 22 when you don't really know what you're doing in your life. But um, so it's been, I say that I wouldn't want to be anywhere else because I think getting married um, to an artist who, who was, it was inspiring, but it also led me to myself, if that sounds, um, you know, you, you kind of see what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it awakened who I've always been meant, meant to be. And so I think that I would do anything in the creative realm if I had absolutely no um, limitations. Practically, I would be working on art, whether it's painting or some form of makeup artistry or writing or acting. I would be doing something creative, and I would be playing consistently with that so I could get better at my craft. Why do you use the word play? Because I think it's important to play. Mm. I think that um, creativity is really elusive sometimes. You just never know when it's going to come. And so some people would use the word practice or um, work at, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I've use heard that. you use the word play a couple of times. And, yeah. Huh. Because for me, it's a fun thing, but it's also a freeing thing. My favorite word is freedom. I just want to be free. <laughs> and I think you look at kids and they're so playful and they're so free and they have so much creative energy and they just do it, you know? And um, for me, in the areas of true play is when I create my best work. When I'm trying to be something or um, if I'm inspired by something and then I can't get that subconsciously out of my head and I try to recreate it, it doesn't work. And so I have to get to that point of play because then that snowballs into something else in, in my experience. And so what are the practical things of play? What does that look like? Like, is it, tell me about that. Like, is it just getting all your paints out? Where do you do that? How does that work? Yeah, I think that that's, um, I love talking about play because I think that that's something that people don't experience, especially in the, like, maybe social media outlet. If you do something, you post it, it looks good, I'm proud. You know, um, I think being vulnerable is playing. And so you get it out and it is what it is. And I've legitimately done some horrible artwork. And I feel like I can say that because it was true for me. It was not good. 
but it was playing and it led me to my next step. Um, so yeah, it's getting out either my paints or writing or um, doing my makeup or um, I've been lucky enough to be involved in a few little skits with some friends and I did an improv group a couple years ago. Just, I like getting out of my shell. I like feeling the freedom of just play. Despite gains, women are still underrepresented. In Janssen's History of Western Art, up until 1986, zero women were listed. Today, only 9% of the artists in the ninth edition of Janssen's History of Western Art are women. 5% of artwork on major museum walls in the United States are by women artists. 70% of mothers with children under the age of 18 are working with over 75% employed full-time. We must join together and advocate for women in business, and we must advocate for women artists. Join me next week for part two as Dom shares her struggle of identifying as an artist and the importance of positive internal mantras. If you're from the Central Valley, you have the opportunity to experience Dominique's artwork for yourself. She will be showcasing her art on Thursday, November 1st at Art Hop, located downtown Fresno at the Peerless Building from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also view more details on Dominique's website, dominiquerosejames.com. I'm your host, Hannah Srimian.